Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to All Saints for our candlelit carol service this year. It's lovely to see you all. A very special welcome to you if you're here for the first time. I should say welcome back to students and others that have come from far-flung places in the north to be with us. But if you are here for the first time as as a guest or you've just turned up because you've heard about us, we're really glad to have you here today. So thank you for joining us and coming this evening. I'm hoping that um, everyone has uh, an order of service like this. That has stuff about toilet facilities and fire exits. On the back, it also has information about all the different Christmas events and services that are happening. Um, they have abnormal times, partly because of the way Sundays are falling on key occasions like Christmas Eve and uh, New Year's Eve. So it's worth a look on the back of the service sheet for details of when things are happening. You can always find out more by looking on the website as well, get uh, precise timings from that. One thing that isn't mentioned on the sheet is a course we're running in the new year called Hope Explored. Three Wednesday nights in January, the 10th, the 17th, the 24th, where you could gather just to look at the Christian hope with a group of friends and ask any question you have hopefully a a completely sort of non-embarrassing way of just looking a little deeper into some of the things we love to think about at this time of year. I'd love to commend that course to you, and there is a flyer about that on the table on the way out. I usually say at the start of this service, in anticipation, thank you to all the musicians for the work they've put in. Monica and Miles have organized the, uh, the choir rehearsals, Thank you to David Adams for his part in that as well as a solo to come from uh, Beth and Katie. Thank you to all the choir who've worked hard learning their parts. But there are other people to thank as well. The candle lighting team, as you can imagine, that's quite a job to light them and then to put them out uh, later on. Readers and so on. The service itself is going to proceed unannounced. We'll just stand for all the congregational carols, sit for the choir items, the readings... Uh, the address, and uh, civil need for prayers and for the blessing at the end. At the end, what's going to happen is the electric lights will come up again. That's the signal to uh, extinguish your candles, please, and then they can be collected in, and it's also the signal to stay on for mince pies at the end of the service. Thank you. I think that's all I need to say at this point.
Beloved in Christ, be it this Christmas tide our care and delight to prepare ourselves to hear again the message of the angels in heart and mind to go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass and with the shepherds and the wise men adore the child lying in his mother's arms. Let's read and mark in Holy Scripture the tale of the loving purposes of God and of the glorious redemption brought us by this holy child. And let's make this church building glad with our carols of praise. But first let us pray for the needs of his whole world, for peace and goodwill over all the earth, for unity and fellowship within the church he came to build. And because it would rejoice his heart, let's remember at this time the poor and the helpless, the cold, the hungry and the oppressed, the sick in body and in mind, and them that mourn, the lonely and the unloved, the aged and the little children, and all who know not the Lord Jesus or who love him not, or who by sin have grieved his heart of love. Lastly, let us remember before God all those who rejoice with us, but upon another shore and in a greater light, that multitude which no man can number, whose hope was in the word made flesh, and with whom in the Lord Jesus we forevermore are one. These prayers and praises let us humbly offer up to the throne of heaven in the words which Christ himself has taught us, saying together, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. The prophet Isaiah predicts comfort for God's people. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all his people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken.
angel announces the coming of a saviour. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us.
the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them.
angels appear to the shepherds of Bethlehem. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared, with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger.
Wise men come from afar to pay homage to Christ. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the peoples, chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Experience the joy of the holiday season as you fall under a magical festive spell. 
That was how the Winter Wonderland attraction in Milton Keynes was advertised a few years back. Visitors, however, found the reality was rather more underwhelming. The ice rink turned out to be a few plastic sheets in a muddy field. Santa's clothes and beard were described as shoddy and as if purchased from Poundland. Three elves were involved in a violent confrontation. One parent described how her young daughter had looked up and asked her, Mummy, have we been bad? (laughs) Well, you may not be surprised to know that the soon-renamed Winter Blunderland closed after just one day. Much was promised, but little was delivered. And the Christmas story begins almost the entirely opposite way around, doesn't it? We're given a picture on the face of it of very little promise. A pregnant teenager makes a long and difficult journey with her husband, tiny pawns on a chessboard of an emperor who's woken up one day and decided he wants to carry out a census. And they finally arrive at their destination to find nowhere left to sleep for the night, and so they wind up in a dirty stable. And that's where the woman's baby is born, and she's only got some old rags to keep him warm and the animal's feeding trough in which to lay him. A picture of very little promise. And yet, and yet, it is precisely at this point, this lowest point, this scene of poverty and vulnerability and weakness, that God chooses to make the highest point of his glory and his beauty. And God does this not with platitudes, not with a facile there, there, decreed from a distance. No, God commits to us. He takes our human condition on himself as the word made flesh. We all like to imagine what God might be like. And even if we don't believe in God, we've normally got a pretty good idea of the God we don't believe in. Well, at the first Christmas, humanity's great guessing game comes to an end. And that's not because the human race has finally had a eureka moment, not because in our cleverness we've suddenly put all the pieces of the jigsaw together, but because God himself comes to us and reveals to us what he's like. What are the shepherds told? You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. When God shows up in Jesus Christ, it's not as a pillar of fire or a tornado, but as a baby in a manger. Jesus doesn't arrive like the God the world expects. Seek not in courts nor palaces nor royal curtains draw, but search the stable, see your God extended on the straw. This incarnation should bowl us over in wonder. God himself, remaining all that he is, becomes that which he's not. The one who created the universe, who at every moment holds the universe in being, needed to be held by his mother so that he could be fed and winded and have his nappy changed. The one who's the very word of God, the speech of God, is silent, save for the occasional rumbly gurgle or cheeky giggle. The various guests who gather around him that first Christmas are not the A-listers, the great and the good, but shepherds. And yet they can say as no one else could say since the beginning of the world, that as they cradled 
that little baby in their arms, they had looked God in the face. Well, there's a problem here, though, and I think it's this. We, all of us, can become so familiar with this Christmas story, so familiar with hearing those readings read again and again each December, that we can get a really central part of this story all mixed up in our minds. We mix things up and we can end up, therefore, missing out on the most wonderful Christmas truth of all. Here's how we do it. We mix up Christmas as good news with Christmas as good advice. So advice is wisdom about what we should do, whereas news is a report about what's already been done. Advice urged us to make something happen. News urged us to recognise something's already happened and to respond to it. Advice says it's up to us to act. News said somebody else has already acted. The Greek word for messenger is angelos, and that's what angels are in the Bible. They're messengers. And when the angel of the Lord descends upon these unsuspecting shepherds in the fields near Bethlehem, He's coming as a messenger of good news and not as a bestower of good advice. So we don't read, and the angel said to them, do not be afraid, but please do smarten yourselves up a bit. As for your sheep, there are shambles running about all over the place. Now the angel says, it's printed there in your order of service, Luke chapter 2, verse 10, he says this, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Good news, not good advice. And not just any old news, but news of great joy. And not just news of great joy, but news for all people. For the rich and the poor, the young and the old, the insiders and the outsiders. The angel goes on to give the content of this good news, doesn't he? He says, today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Not good advice about how to live, but good news of a saviour. At that first Christmas, God doesn't come to us as a soldier, or as a philosopher, or as a politician, but as a saviour with the power to forgive. In Jesus Christ, God isn't trying to give us a to-do list so that now we've got religion to worry about, as well as a career and money and health and family and where we buy the turkey this Christmas. Christmas isn't about God saying to us, do this. It's about him pointing to the baby in the manger and saying, done. God's not saying, try a bit harder and I might like you. He's saying, I love you. No ifs, no buts, no small print. And here's the proof. Here's the one who's going to live for you and to die for you. Because in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. You see, in the incarnation, God unsettles all our assumptions about religion. All our imprisoning economies of give and take, of contract and entitlement. And he does all this by giving us himself as a gift, not as a reward. Good news, not good advice. So this Christmas, let me encourage you, don't mix things up and end up missing out. Don't mix up good news with good advice.
hear those words of the angel afresh. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. At Christmas, God draws near to us that he might draw us back to him. And he does it not by winning arguments or winning battles, but by defenceless love. Not by force or command, but by a solidarity and identification so deep and so serious and so total that we can only say when we see God in Jesus, we see a God who values our humanity beyond our imagining. Christmas suggests to us we ought to be looking in speechless amazement at every human face we can see around us this evening in the congregation. Not necessarily because they're especially attractive or well turned out, but because God thought that each face we see was worth everything. Every person here this evening was worth everything, worth coming into the world for, worth being born as a baby for, worth dying on a cross for. So at Christmas, as we hear again the angel's message of good news, we rejoice that this picture of apparently very little promise is in fact the culmination of all God's promises. And through this child, delivered into the world, is our means of delivery from fear and sin and death. Jesus Christ, the defenceless child in the manger, invites us to drop our defences, to clear the space, clear some room in the straw of the stable, and let ourselves be amazed afresh. Because that is where faith is born. And each of us is invited to draw near. Well, if any of that is opening up questions for you or or nudging you to explore all these things a little further. uh, As Simon said in the new year, there's a course three Wednesdays uh, in January. Hope Explored. Come and explore these things in company. Ask questions. This might be just the thing for you. And our final piece, our next piece rather, our next choral piece helps us further to reflect on this evening's theme on the good news of Christmas. It is good news that wherever we are, whoever we are, whatever questions we might have, whatever burdens we carry, we're told this, come, see what your God has done. Christ is born for you. Amen. Oh.
And now may the joy of the shepherds, the wonder of the wise men as they worshipped, the tender love of Mary, all rest upon us in our homes and on all we love this Christmas. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us always. Amen.